Episode of Not Your Average Operator with me, Paul Mellon McFadden. I'm sitting here and uh, it's happy days, basically. I mean, we're all happy that Raf wasn't here, but unfortunately, he's he snuck back and uh, we even let him join the Zoom call for 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 a change. How are you going there, Raf? Good, but uh, what do you mean snuck back? Like snuck back through INS <laughs> inertial <laughs> inertial navigation system. Correct. <laughs> I just. I don't even understand why you didn't make the call last time, Raf. We were off, we were off having lunch. <laughs> Actually, no. Last time I couldn't make it because uh, Soren's second birthday was happening, and we uh, rented out the well, not the whole place, but we rented some space in this trampoline park called uh, Altitude out here in Spokane, and uh, so there's family and friends all came together. Of course, we stayed six feet apart from each other and held our breath while we looked at each other but it was a blast man it was a couple hours of just bouncing around and he loved it he was just you know trying to do cartwheels and kept tossing them into these foam pits and stuff unfortunately i lost my phone <laughs> that's neither here nor there but when they're that young you really you're really appreciative for the fact that their joints are like super rubbery because they stack and you think oh my god he's dead and he just gets up and <laughs> runs away right yeah yeah no it was a good time yeah, so that's why i couldn't make it Mm. Well, I, well, I forgive you. I forgive you finally. All right, Mike, how are you going, mate? How have you been? Well, I was feeling good until I was thinking about jumping on a trampoline at those places. I take my nephew sometimes and, dude, after 10 minutes, I'm just like, why does everything hurt? <laughs> this, is, this isn't as fun as I remembered, you know? But, <laughs> oh, man. Well, happy birthday to Soren. We'll just put that out there, little guy. Happy birthday to you, buddy. And, and today is actually uh, Michael's birthday as well so that's right the big one two young man yeah the big 12. he's a happy little fellow we went and did uh you know those escape rooms i've sort of seen him on uh tv shows and stuff but we went and did one of them yesterday with a couple of his mates and it's all like solve the little puzzle to get the key to the box and then in the box there's a clue and you got to figure that out type of the next thing and he loved it and it was really fun and yeah. uh you know a couple of burgers on the way home i kind of have a phobia to the escape room so uh we were in Afghanistan and I, I stopped over to Raf's room and then the door shut behind me and nobody else is in there. The lights turned off and it, it turned into an escape room thing. And he just out there messing with me and he had keys in random places and photos and it was just very awkward and silly. And, uh, I just kind of have a phobia of that. So the escape room is not fun for me anymore. And the last thing, <laughs> I'm not even sure if this is like a joke or if this is a horrendous real life experience that you're sharing with us here. I know and the that, last, yeah. that explains it all. And the last thing Mike saw was me in a bunny suit before he blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, the mental images that we leave our poor listeners with, you two have a lot to yeah. answer for. All right. So as you guys saw in the show notes, the question that we're working this week is, uh, hand, how do you handle success and victory? So it's a big question, right? And you know, we've all got different thoughts on, on the topic and it's not normally something that can come up, right? Like we normally focus on how do we handle the failures and we sort of figure we coast through the, uh, the upswings, but these can be, you know, we all see people who derail, they have a bit of success and things go to their head and they come apart. So we thought we'd give you an episode on this one. 
So we'll kick off first with Mike. Mike, how do you handle success and failure? I don't really handle it. I just I just hand it off to other people to deal with it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this this topic I think was really good just because uh, you know again we were discussing a lot of things about. Uh, past experiences in, in the military, but also just in life when you see people um, achieve something that you know that, you know, you, you've been supporting them, you're, you encourage them because they're, they're just good people. And then they achieve a certain title, they achieve uh, a championship or, you know, some level of great success. And there's this shift and they just become totally different people. And as a friend, as a teammate or a, or a work colleague, you just kind of have that moment where you're just kind of like, man, like who, who the hell are you now? You know? And, and it's, it, it's kind of interesting when you break it down and start thinking about, you know, why, why would this person do this? Um, but ultimately I took it as like a learning point, you know, and this goes back to the show about leadership and some really good examples and really bad examples and qualities and traits. Um, so kind of what I'll relate it to is, you know, personally last year, you know, I, I got promoted into the senior ranks and it was a goal of mine for, you know, 13 years and everything led up to that moment, even though I didn't, wasn't thinking about it through the first, you know, 11 to 12, it was like, yeah, I know that's in my future, but I'm just going to really concentrate on where I'm at and operating and enjoy my shooter dime, you know, everything else. And then I found myself, once I found out I got promoted, it was exciting. You know, you're proud of yourself and you're going through the process and then you get, uh, then you get pinned and everything's really, really cool for like a little bit. And then I found myself after it going like, Whoa, what is next? <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of awkward, man, because that was such a long-term goal for so long that I kind of forgot well, what's next after that? And uh, I, I talked about it with Raph a lot when we went hunting. I, I know I mentioned it before, but we were talking about, man, I, I, I don't know what's next in my life. You know, what's this was this was the deal, you know, but um, the point I want to mainly cover on is, you know, the process leading up to getting there, living in the moment of getting promoted and becoming that that new title or whatever it is and then kind of how do you go forward um so i look back at it and i'm like okay well why did i get to that point what drove me to that point i've been in for a long time 13 years and not putting down anybody that does less but a lot of people that i know like got out or moved on to other better things in their life which is fine but it's something kept me there and kept me driving towards this this goal of getting promoted and getting this this uh, this rank. And I was like, okay, well, I must be doing something right, you know. And a lot of valuation about like my, you know, my work ethic, my attitude, my how well I work with others, um, you know, my my educational background of like, do I understand this job? Do I understand the the finite part, parts of it? And uh, you know, all that. So constant, you know, it's like when you wake up every day and it's just like, oh man, I know everything there is about this job and I could run this if I had to. You have that constant feeling, but you're not in that leadership position. You, you, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I, so it's kind of that, 
you, you feel like you're gaining ground and that, okay, like if something did happen, I had to take charge. Like now I feel confident. Right. So it was, it's always that feeling, or at least for me, it, it should have been, you, you always learn the job of the person ahead of you and behind you. Um, so you could always fill in if needed. Uh, once I made it, man, it, it was like, yeah, you know what? I earned this. And I took such pride in it because it was such, it was the longest term goal, like the longest term goal I've ever had in my life. And I finally made it. And I will admit in the moment, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like there's so much history and everything behind it. And, and the amount of support I had from friends and family was just, it, it really humbled the hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, we were at my pinning ceremony and the whole room was there for me. And, and I'm not, saying that in a cocky way. It was just, everybody was so proud and want to be part of it. Um, it, it was just very special to me. After that, a couple of days after like a party and some celebrating and people coming up and you know, the whole deal, it was kind of like, Ooh, okay, well what's next. And how should I continue to be as a leader? How do I deal with this success? You know, I had lots of people come up and they're like, you, you've arrived, man. Like you, you, you made it like you're, you're untouchable now. And I was just like, no, how do you figure like that's, that's couldn't be farther from the truth. So I started really evaluating, uh, where I was now. So I was on this long journey. I was climbing this mountain for so long and people were telling me, well, Hey, now that you're at the peak, like you can just, back off you can just kind of chill you know like you can make things happen and then not work as much and i'm just like man where are you coming from with this stuff like how, how do you figure and it was like no i i'm in a position now that requires me to use my skills my attitude that got me to this point to better the people around me and to progress forward and make this environment this mission or whatever it is better um I immediately start writing down qualities that got me to that point. And like, it was, notice I said, I wrote them down because I think you can say things in your head, but as Raph has taught me, journaling is such a good point to put your thoughts into reality on paper. And then you could go back and kind of review them and be like, yeah, that's, that's me. That's who I am as a person, uh, who I am as a leader, as a teammate, as a man, whatever it might be. And I was just like, man, that's really good. So I wrote down a lot of qualities about myself, you know, um, what other people would say about me. You know, I talked about that in the other episode of getting real feedback and honest feedback. And I was kind of like, okay, like that's what got me here. Now I want to embody all of that in a positive way to be the example for others to see. I don't want to get a big head. I don't want to not be humble. I don't want to be act like I've arrived. I don't want to act like I have all the answers because the truth is, I'm none of that. And anybody that's in that newer position or anything below you that looks up to you in a bad time is always going to look to you and be like, well, this is how you handle that situation. And if I let ego and attitude and just, you know, if I have a bad day and I come into work and bring it with me, they're just going to be like, well, that's how you handle it. And it's going to hurt not only me, not only them, but the team and the environment that I work in. Um, so, solidifying the base of how I got there, realizing where I was, and then main, making that my base and keeping my base and only moving on from there. So yes, I got to the summit, 
but now I'm looking to the sky of like, how do I stay on the summit? And then how do I pull in everything else that I need to really own the summit and make this a, a place where people really want to join me at, if that makes sense. Yeah. And if I could, if I could just kind of chime in a little bit, I, it's funny. I, I remember Mike and I having these conversations when uh, kind of shortly after we met and we, you know, advanced from just professional friends or whatever to actual mutual, like really good friends. And I, I had spoken to you about promotions, you know, down the road. And, and I, I remember you saying like, well, he's like, and you said, and you didn't say this arrogantly, but you did say, I know that I could get promoted fairly quickly. And I, I remember I threw a timeline at you and you're like, yeah, I think I could do it. He's like, but you said, but I, I don't want to, like, I, I want to enjoy what I'm doing right now. Like, I remember you saying that, like, I've worked so hard to get to this, to this position and you enjoyed kind of being a door kicker. You enjoyed, you know, being a, a trigger puller. And you knew that once you took a leadership position, those days would be behind you. Like, you know, now you would be instructor modes and those, you know, leadership modes, which don't necessarily put you in front of the stack. They put you, you know, outside the house looking in or, you know, looking down, so to speak. But uh, anyway, so that, I think that speaks volumes about uh, who you, who you've been since I've known you as a person, but also I'd like to add that I was shocked when you were promoted. I was like, God, they are promoting anybody and everybody right now. And I was like, I guess that's, that's for the military. I mean, that's just, you know, and then, and then I gave you a pat in the back. I was like, well, all right, cool, man. Well, pretty much what they did is they looked at, they looked at the force as a whole and they're like, well, Raph got out, he retired. So that, that turd's gone. And then, yeah. you know, little did I know they were already looking <laughs> at Australia forces to come over and replace you, but they're like, oh, already out. So then they're like, well, there's nobody else to promote, but, but Mike, so let's just get him in there. And, well, you know. and also what Mike is leaving out of this whole thing is that he's put in for the warrant officer program, I think what, 20 times now, and he's been dejected the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically to try to be a, a pilot to go flight and uh again big fat zero so listen man if you can't if you can't beat them you just you go the route you did and you get promoted the way you did so hey either way little buddy it's been great i don't think I'm proud of you i don't have three things and, and this is being completely honest i don't have three things one i don't have the nice hair that all pilots think they have. So I'm already out there Two, I, I've already stated this. I'm very proactive. And three, um, I don't have like a bombshell woman as, you know, to, to go on my arm to the, to the pilot galas and discuss why we're God's greatest gift. So it's, 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 it's kind of like those three things. Standards. Yeah. Standards. Standards you go to my time. I just don't the have standards you go to my time. Walk. I know. Yeah. I know. Back to the topic, yeah. uh, you know, just, just kind of bring so, it down. So what, what was the challenge, Mike? Mike, yeah. what, what was the challenge for you then? It went, when you're talking about handling the success, what, what is the challenge that came up for you? Leading, leading the men that I fought next to for over a decade and really just taking the weight and somebody going, here you go, man, it's yours. And it, it really wasn't yeah. a shock to me because we, the way we train, we're, we're so small as a unit. Um, we train, like I said, to learn the job ahead of you and master the one behind you because you should have already done that job. 
So if you were like a fire team leader at one point, and then you're currently a squad leader, and then you should learn how to be the chief or whatever platoon sergeant or whatever it might be, you got to learn that because if you go down, there's no time to panic. There's no anything. It's just like, okay, you're stepping up and you're taking this responsibility and you're running this squad or platoon or whatever you got. And that's it. Um, so you better learn it or you, be, or you can get out. Like there's no questioning that. Um, so the challenge was actually literally being like, okay, like it's the real deal now. Now you're fully in charge of running these type of guys and managing it, which is a challenge within itself because they're a bunch of meat eaters, man. They're just a bunch of alpha meat eaters that constantly want to kick indoors, which I love, but also knowing when to pull back the, pull the leash a little bit and be like, guys, this isn't our fight. We need to redirect a little bit and be smart. You know, that, that, that's the challenge, man. I, I really think, but it wasn't as big as a challenge as I thought it was going to be just because of all the experience. And like Raph said, I took a long time to enjoy the job, understand the job, what's expected on the backside, not just pulling triggers, but the whole realm of it. And it really prepared me. Well, I really like that piece around um, staying up on the job ahead and behind all the time. Like that, that has been a, I know that that's, the secret to the German success in World War II is that training for jobs, they actually went two jobs above um, and got a real ability to react rapidly and step into gaps and make decisions at low levels. And uh, Whoa, taking that- Melon, whose side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's a serious thing, you know, like you got to, study the ones that do well and, and emulate them. And that, that is a legitimate thing. I know that the U S Marines have done a lot of modeling on what was done uh, by those guys. I mean, you, you know, clearly we don't subscribe to the uh, belief system, but what they were doing was amazing at that time. So yeah, there you go. Ralph. No, actually, <laughs> yeah, I, I can, uh, I can attest to that. The Marine Corps is really, really good at, you know, making sure that down to the private, you know, if the captain gets knocked off, then the LT takes over. If the LT gets knocked off, then, well, let's be honest. The captain gets knocked off, Gunny's taking over. But we'll just let the LT play like he's doing something. Um, and then, you know, as the rank search keeps, again, if you keep knocking off the top tier, then by the time it comes down to the corporal and the private, private they, they are taught and kind of expected to lead, you know. Um, but that kind of leads into what I was going to say regarding, well, first – uh, actually, Mike, are you done? Because I was going to just touch on this a little bit. I don't want to take Send up it, your brother. Time. You got it. Right. Yeah. So pause for more than five the, seconds, Rafka. You go. I go. Yeah, more than five seconds. Yeah, we'll pause from Mike. You just go, and you don't don't let him have another crack. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So mine's a little bit uh, kind of along the lines of what Mike just talked about, but I I kind of look at. Um, after a victory, after a successful event, whatever it is, I just acknowledge it. Um, that's the biggest thing for me. And the reason I, I think it's important to acknowledge is because it, it does something to your, to your physiology, right? So uh, whenever you achieve something and you, however difficult it was to achieve it, once you've achieved it, physiologically, it puts you in a positive kind of um, uh, 
accomplishing type mood, right? Where you can, and if you keep harnessing that, you, you get to basically finish more tasks down the road. And so it's, that's why I think it's important to acknowledge it. However, you can't sit on it forever. Just kind of like you don't rest on your laurels because it doesn't get you anywhere, right? Like it's like you, I think on the last episode, you guys were talking about Al Bundy, how he's always looking back at, he refers to, you know, his days in high school football, <laughs> how that was his legacy of greatness. Well, you know, that, that can be a downfall if you continue to sit there and be like, well, I just achieved this and I'm just going to rest on that. Well, you can't, it's just not the way, it's just not the way life is, is formatted to work out. So I always acknowledge it as soon as I accomplish something. And it's kind of like an internal, like I might smile to myself, but externally I won't make a big deal about it. I'm not going to celebrate. I usually don't like going to formations. I hated whenever I got any sort of stupid award. Um, I don't make a big deal about it. I don't even post it on Facebook and I'm not talking against it because I know a lot of friends that do like, because I think it's probably because their personality likes the words of affirmation and there's nothing wrong with that. But me personally, I just acknowledge it and I move on. And I just, it's just the way I function. Uh, and then the other thing is, like I said, it, it's specifically about what Mike just talked about. When you start going up the rungs of, of, uh, of leadership or whatever you want to call it in the military, corporate uh, ventures, whatever you're doing, I just see it as not that I'm becoming more important, but more that I get access to greater minds, right? So the higher ranking not that I was, I mean, I was just a CW3, um, but the higher ranking that you get and the more responsibility that you achieve in your job, really just it's access to greater minds, right? Now you're that much closer to maybe a full bird kernel that has tons of knowledge to, to expand. But if, if you're just a, a junior person in this formation, you're not gonna have the amount of face time that you would, like for instance, Colonel Hines. Right. I'm not saying that Colonel Hines didn't give you plenty of face time with junior soldiers. I'm sure he did. But as a senior W3, especially as his maintenance test pilot, I got a lot more face time than someone who that he didn't have to talk to all the time. Right. Because it was a forcing function. I would be in meetings with him. We talked about maintenance. I took care of his fleet. So that that gave me the space to, to share time and personal space with Colonel Hines. And not only that, I mean, I got to interact with him like professionally, but also got to interact with him personally, right? I got to know him as, as a man and not just, not just as, as an officer in charge of my formation. So I just saw it as, as access to greater minds. And I think that's one of the benefits of, of reaching higher ranking positions. Um, and then uh, in ter terms of like being a pilot, I've quickly realized that once I made pilot in command, which in the civilian world would be becoming a captain of an, air, of an airline or an airliner, um, really, I just realized right away that it had to do with mastering the basics. You know, just because you become a captain of an aircraft, it's not like you became that much smarter. It actually, if nothing, let's, I think Mike, you just said, you just said it, you really need to master the thing the, those basic fundamentals that are behind you, but it's mastering those basic fundamentals that really thrusted you into the position that you, you found yourself in. So there's, it's more of a reason to stay on top of it. And it's really easy to lose a lot of that. That stuff. I mean, I know it is in aviation and Melon, you could probably speak on this a little bit. I mean, I probably have to go back and and study and restudy every couple months because I feel like everything I've just memorized or everything I felt like I understood. If you ask me a question six months later, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. How do you spell starter generator? I can tell you right now. You know, it's just 
it's one of those things you have to be honest with yourself and go back and, and, and just, you know, shore up your weaknesses. If that makes any sense. I feel like I rambled, but. No, 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 that that's, that's a hundred percent. And, and I think that there's a, I think you guys have both hit on something very uh, fundamental here in that there's certain basics that have led to the success that we're celebrating or that we're talking about in this podcast. And the, the second you take your eye off the ball on those basics and think you're onto some next level thing that that stuff's now going to take care of itself. And, you know, you're, you're now transcendent. There's a beam of light shining down on the top of your head everywhere you go. For sure, your fundamental skills are going to deteriorate. And and nearly all of the stuff that, that we're referring to are skills that atrophy. They're, they're, they're time sensitive. Like if you're not practicing them and rehearsing them and going over these things, they will wither away. And we probably all know some senior guys who used to be all that and perhaps don't do it very much anymore. And we've seen, like I've, I've seen some senior officers handle aircraft, some, some pretty horrendous situations before just due to that, that skill atrophy and they're, and they're super busy, you know, and, and that's why they've then got a specialist alongside them to help out in those moments. Right. But it's a different thing when you're the commander of the formation, than if you are just, you know, you've just made captain on the aircraft type and you're now thinking you don't need to focus on your fundamentals and those fundamentals. I, I really like the, the bit that Mike was talking about earlier about, you know, you, you've been promoted in large part for personal personal aspects, personality, character traits, and you, you see people who step up into these new roles and somehow start out acting like they're all that, like they they have a, a personality change the day that they've moved into this new position or they've celebrated some uh, success has been recognised, and then the the very trait that has had them do the hard work and make the connection with people around them and make connections of up and down the chain of command. Now that is immediately just lost when uh, people have this, that, that hubris, you know, the, this moment of arrogance or whatever, whatever that happens inside someone's mind when they're recognized in some cases, and you, you, either the skills or the character traits can break down and, it ha- and we've probably all seen it a dozen times. Yeah. yeah you and- know, uh- You've said it a few times, Melon, but the whole point is like, you know, your your best sale is not your last one, but it's your next one, you know, and, and it yeah. kind of feeds into all of it. And and Raph said it too, but honestly, we could do we could do a whole episode called the Al Bundy episode. Because literally <laughs> I think everybody in their life could literally go back to one moment where they're like, Well, I I achieved this. I was this, you know, and it was kind of like, okay, you did that but look who you are now. Like you're either a really good person and yeah, the person who you are right now reflects that great moment because you never lost what made you there or what got you there. Sorry. Then you can look at people who are like, well, 15 years ago I was in the military and I did this. And like, All right. Hey, cool. Thanks for, thanks for what you did and everything 15 years ago, but who are you now? You, you either let it go to your head, you slacked off, you forgot your principles, your everything that made you that great thing. It's kind of like, where did that person go? And you have nothing to show for it, you know? And, and it's kind of getting people back in that mindset, that track of, of positivity and reflection. Um, I see that more and more, especially honestly with a lot of veterans. Yeah. And, 
something I, I didn't touch on, but it just came to mind uh, regarding once you are successful with whatever it is that you just achieved is I think it's really, really important. And I don't always do it, but I have done it. Um, but when you realize that you've achieved whatever it is, you know, master's degree, it's always important to unpackage the mistakes that you drug along the way to, to get there. Right. Because sometimes you get there. I, I don't want to say by mistake, because I'm sure you put a lot of hard work into achieve whatever, like for instance, when you got promoted, but you made a lot of mistakes along the way as well. Right. When, when you got promoted. So I think it's important to stop and analyze the mistakes you made and analyze, you know, even though this kind of worked out in my, in my benefit, I'm going to try to avoid doing ABC because I could see it putting me in, in a, in a troubled spot. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure it does. For sure it does. It, I mean, that leads the, the stuff, the way I approach it is kind of different to you guys, you know, it always is the way, when we get together and we have these topics we've been sitting and thinking about and uh, you know, we don't talk beforehand and we just sort of jump in with where we, where we started. I definitely have those moments. I remember uh, Mike just mentioned earlier of working on a goal, like a long-term goal. And then, you know, it's, you achieve it. And then there's like maybe 24 or 36 hours of happiness that come, that comes from achieving it. And then, and then immediately the next thought that slides in your head is, is this all there is or is this it? And if there can be a letdown following that uh, achievement. And this is something that uh, Cherry and I really addressed like a long time ago and looking at, like I look at this, the thing that does not really appeal to me is this, is the word success. I, I really like the word fulfillment. And for me, I, there's a sense of competition and, um, you know, maybe like a bit of scarcity mentality in that success definition. And I really like fulfillment. Like you, you can sort of get into climbing the ladder and working away and competing with people around you. And you can get to the top of that, that ladder and realize that you've, you've put that ladder against the wrong building and you're not really where you wanted to get to at all. And we had a real, for us, it was really when Annie was born, really reevaluating all the big things in our life and, and what were these things that we were chasing after and what were these things that I was pushing for in my career and, and so on. And, and definitely any hint that sort of remained that we were, that I was following these um, success signposts really got erased five years later than when Cherry had cancer. Cause it was really, really apparent to me that all of these things are not important and the things that, that last are these deep fulfillment stuff. Like if you do lose a loved one really early, you're never going to be thinking to yourself, well, it's really good I spent that extra three, four hours at work that night. You're never going to be thinking, you know, I'm, I'm really glad I pushed to get onto that course and I was away for six weeks. That The things that ha have really gone into the basket for me first have been a lot of that family stuff. And... Um, and this does not in any way mean that I'm not um, doing my best at work and you know, busting a gut in, in, in the uh, profession that, that I, I follow, but it is like a lot of my, um, the happiness and so on comes, comes in the fulfillment for me. And um, the success can sort of in some ways in my mind be tied with other people's definitions of 
um, what's going on, like a competition and external type thing, like another person's game and the fulfillment can be a bit more what's true for me, what's, what's in align with my authentic self. And it's, it's, it's like a topic. If you have time to spend on your own, you can really, I, I find strip away a lot of that external stuff, the culture, the family, the, the, the team values around you and get to like, what's actually important to me and cut those things away. I, I love that melon. Uh, man, I, I talk to a lot of people about this stuff sometimes and they're like, Hey, now that you're in this position, like who do you want to be and how do you want to be? And yeah, you get some mixed answers, but when I hear the, when I hear about the people that are just like, well, I love praise and I love, I want people to just always be proud of me. And that's your main reason. I'm kind of like, man, is that it? Yeah. That's, like, that's horrendous. Is that really what matters about this position? Because that's the last thing I think about when I'm in my position or I achieve victory or or I'm successful at a task. One is I didn't do it by myself. No matter what task I do, there's always people that have been a rung on the ladder to like get me to that point. And I'm grateful for those people or, or what they did for me because Raph said it, everything is a human endeavor. Everything. Yeah. And it's 100%. Like, yeah. And it's just like, how can I, I don't want to be that selfish to be like, well, I just want people to be proud of me. No, be proud of yourself, man. Take some pride in yourself and be happy with what you were able to accomplish. But just keep in mind, you never did it by yourself and always have that humbleness. And what Melon just talked about was the humility, you know, side of it. Hey, it, this at the root of all this, it, you know, when uh, Melon just started talking, it actually brought to mind when we had Gordo on. Um, shout out to Gordo up in Canada, Canadian land. And he was talking about how, you know, you have to realize that a lot of the goals that we've achieved as adults were set by us as children. So if there's if there's a disconnect there, it's there's probably part of that reason. Right. Like if you've kind of like we said, Melon, if you've reached the, the top rung of a ladder, and you find out that you're unhappy, well, it's probably because you have to analyze the fact that maybe that goal was set by 16 year old you, not 30 year old you that has, that's married with two children. You know, that's what does 16 year old Melon know about 33 year old Melon? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. And yeah. I think it, and I'm, it's important to remember that. It's it, like, if you find yourself trying to, you know, like you said, please others, please whatever, or trying to achieve some, some title, but you're not on, but you're not happy. It's well, what well, what's making you chase that title in the first place. And it might be that your actions are still the same. Like someone might observe you when you are pursuing some extrinsic goal, like you're like, oh, I'm looking for some validation here and I'm going to go for a title. And I might've had, or some, some person might've had a moment reflecting on, you know, family members who have gone off or fallen friends or a family member dealing with serious health issues, as was the case for me. And you still might come out of that and, and be going for a similar goal, but it might feel very different inside while going for it. And also in the achievement or the non-achievement of the goal. So like, I find it very stressful at work if I'm not involved in the leadership team. Like if I have a feeling that there's decisions being made that I could be helping make make those decisions have better quality or uh, be able to flow those decisions out better or just contributing to them in some way professionally. I've always 
found it less stressful to just be striving at work in that sense. But it, you know, like I don't, getting a title on the door is not what I'm about at all, you know? And if you're in a position where you're able to help people achieve more and develop people around you and so on, that's the part that's enjoyable. And that's the part that's rewarding, but you're still like, you're still getting after it. You're still hustling. You're still um, putting in the hours and the prep and all the study that you know about Raf with the, the flying. And it's a very similar thing for you there, Mike, just that you got to graft away at the professional mastery, but doing it for something that means something to you internally and, and taking the time to figure out what, what is that thing? What is that thing that resonates when you're sitting at home alone on your own or at, late at night on your own? Like, what is it that you're, you're looking for? And seeing the impermanence of titles and the imperman- impermanence of uh, extrinsic things. Yeah. No, you that's, jump in there, Mike? Yeah, that's great points. And it just kind of, it just kind of like made me, I'm reflecting as I'm listening to both of you guys. And I always like to step outside of myself of looking just at me and what victory or success that I have, because I really have a true passion to help others become better. And that's just in my personality, even as a, as a kid, I've always liked helping other people. And it's kind of that lead, lead from within type mentality, as far as success of just like, yes, I've, I've achieved this, but I kind of go back to thinking about when I was looking up at people of being successful and, and achieving goals that I wanted, you know, so like my job that I'm in and, and different things. And also I'm looking at as being a, a father one day, you know, I look up to you two as far as like, man, well, I want to do that, but we tend to become those who we admire, right? Why do we yeah. admire these people? Well, yes, they're successful. They've, they, they're, they're at where we want to be. So what's their traits? How do they act? And we, we, really get pulled in by that. So again, remembering all of those feelings from years past, now that you're at this point, you got to remember the next generation or the other people are looking at you the way you used to look at somebody else. And that's stepping outside of your own wants and needs and desires and successes. And that's very important too, because that's getting into legacy, that's getting into tradition that's getting into honor and pride and all that other stuff that you can keep going down. But ultimately it's just being a good human being. All right. That, that's really a very, very uh, important point that you just raised there, Mike, with, you know, we've had Kelly Hines on and you two both talk about him a lot and we'd love to have him back on again and really dig into who he is as a person. And likewise, I'd love to get uh, Pauline Johnson back on. I think there's some amazing stories we could dig into here. These people, when you guys talk about them and when you think about them, you're not thinking of uh, a scenario where they achieve something. You're normally thinking of values and character traits and principles that they manifest and that you can emulate. And like, there's a way of being that they are in the world <coughs> that, that you can aspire to be and you can bring into your life now. You don't need the title on the, the door. You don't need kernel on the desk to manifest the parts of Kelly Hines that you look up to and that you want to emulate. And you can have that in your life regardless of what the title is. And that 
the the manifesting of those character traits and personality traits and values is going to have you be a certain way, you know, and then like the outcome is less important, but the outcome is going to take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. The title will only get you so far. The rest is uh, honor and respect, right? Yeah. Well, I feel like we're sort of hit some really good points there guys with um, handling success and victory and, focusing on those foundational traits and skills that have gotten you to that point and then reassessing and uh, taking a moment to acknowledge what, what you have achieved, but not stopping and then looking forward and perhaps really fundamentally getting down into what, what is it that you're about in the world and what, what are those uh, values and what would fulfill you? Um, and hopefully that can take you forward the next one. So, we briefly touched on, we really want to get a couple of people back on for some uh, deep questions. So if you've got any questions for any of our former guests, please send them in and we'd love to feed them around. But uh, we didn't have, we didn't have uh, some questions, some questions asked and a couple of the readers uh, and listeners wanted to have them fed in. So uh, what are you afraid of? What am I? Actually, I could answer that for him. Raph. I'll send it Raph. Let's hear it, buddy. I just said you're afraid of Raph. Mm. I'm afraid of him coming in my room at night when it's dark and I'm not prepped for that. That's what I'm scared of. Um, that's really awkward. But whatever. What are you showing me in Spanish right now? Raph's trying to show me something that he doesn't want to admit. I don't know. It's some type of uh, weird stuff. Anyway, um, totally threw me off here. What am I afraid of? Nothing. I'm not a, ultimately, there's a lot of things I would say I'm, I'm scared of, but I'm still going to do them because um, who isn't afraid of something? But the point is to be courageous enough to, to go and at least try. And as we said many times, put in the work. Uh, but ultimately, I think at the end of this, as I get older, um, not, not living up to not living up to who I believe that I could be is very scary. Yeah. Uh, that encompasses me as a man, me as one day as a father. Like if I was to leave this world as, you know, turn around and reflect and be like, okay, I never got to be a dad. I think that would just, that that's very, very scary to me. Um, that frightens me because I, I thoroughly believe that I, I have it into me to, to be a great father. Um, so I would feel that that is very scary to me of not fulfilling that. That's a, that's a really, uh, profound way to answer that question, mate. Not, not being the man that you know you could be and, and, and like I, people listening, he's, uh, Mike is exactly this same person, uh, not when the podcast is not rolling and. He's got an amazing connection with both of my kids and uh, and, my, and my wife, and uh, I just know he's going to be a great a great father when his time comes. All right. Um, when was the last time you cried? Uh, last week, uh, very very easily. Uh, I was at my grandmother's funeral. My my, my family has a tradition with uh, white doves, okay? and uh, it'll be the same for the rest of my family, uh, including me. Whenever a family member dies, uh, 
there is a group of they they bring doves like a whole a whole crate of doves that are trained and they released them to beautiful music and uh the song that that plays is josh groban you raise me up and yeah if you know that song that gets you going <laughs> but, but they release that, that the doves. they fly song. a pattern around the cemetery and it's very symbolic to the rest of our family who have passed on and they're in heaven and they're there to to, to pick up the new family member and then um, we release a new dove that flies and the way that they're trained it's again just very powerful you see the you see the the flock come flying around and they pick up the other dove and they fly off to do you know they they fly straight up like they're coming down to swoop down and pick you up and guide you to heaven and it's just very beautiful um i i I cry like a like a five-year-old man and i just let it out because i'm sad it's saying goodbye but it's also so powerful and, and and it's a beautiful thing and it makes you just live for the moment and uh yeah i cried man i had my sunglasses on to kind of you know, be strong for my mom. But I mean, if you looked at my face, I had tears rolling down my whole face and uh, I'm not ashamed of it. It, it was, it was no. just one of those beautiful moments that you're, you're thankful to even be there and witness. It's very pure. That, that's, that's really beautiful, man. I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, I can just picture that big flock of doves flying, representing all of the family have already gone, coming back and uh, taking that new, dive up with them. Well, well, we'll leave you with that beautiful uh, image of, of Mike with his family up there uh, sharing a moment. And uh, like I, I, I know when Raph asked me that question the other week, when was the last time you cried? It, like they're, they're tough questions to answer. You know, we've got this facade that we're supposed to maintain as men and uh, it's a lot of BS, most of it, I reckon. So... Hopefully you guys have all gotten something out of this. What, how do you handle uh, success and victory? A couple of extra questions and uh, don't forget, we're going to try and get a, a Facebook live going coming up and we're going to have some of our uh, former guests back on if we can arrange it. So send in your questions and uh, stay tuned on the interwebs for when uh, that stuff comes up. So from Mike, Raff and Mellon, you can hit us up at uh, Not Your Average Mike 77, Not Your Average Raf, and Not Your Average Paul at gmail.com. And as always, we really appreciate your time. So, from all of us to all of you, take care and we'll see you next time.